Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There is a right time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to destroy, a time to rebuild, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time for scattering stones, a time for gathering stones, a time to hug, a time not to hug, a time to find, a time to lose, a time for keeping, a time for throwing away, a time to tear, a time to repair. A time to be quiet, a time to speak up, a time for loving, a time for hating, a time for war, a time for peace. I have just read the first eight very familiar verses from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. If you have been to many funerals in your life, I'm sure you have heard these verses more than once. The author of this book was King David's son, King Solomon. In this book, Solomon looks back over his life much of which was lived apart from God. In the Life Application Bible, it states Solomon's purpose was to spare future generations the bitterness of learning through their own experience that life is meaningless apart from God. As we have begun a new year, and as we think about our own lives and our goals and our priorities, I thought perhaps we should spend some time today in this Old Testament book. Some of you tuned in to this program may not be living next January. I might not be either. Who knows? Only God knows. And so it seems appropriate to me that we should hear what the wise King Solomon has to say, because he had everything. He had seen it all, he had heard it all, and he had done it all. I will be reading selected verses from the Life Application Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, and at the conclusion of the Bible reading, I will share some of the notes from this book of wisdom that are also found in the Life Application Bible. So I'm just going to start early in Ecclesiastes, and I'm just sort of going to flip through. God gives those who please Him wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Everything is appropriate in its own time. But though God has planted eternity in the hearts of men, even so, many cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And I know this, that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added or taken from it. God's purpose in this is that man should fear the all-powerful God. In due season, God will judge everything man does, both good and bad. So I saw that there is nothing better for men that they should be happy in their work, for that is what they are here for, and no one can bring them back to life to enjoy what will be in the future. So let them enjoy it now. So when you talk to God and vow to Him that you will do something, don't delay in doing it, for God has no pleasure in fools. Keep your promise to Him. It is far better not to say you'll do something than to say you will and then not do it. He who loves money shall never have enough. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. So what is the advantage of wealth, except perhaps to watch it as it runs through your fingers? It is very good if a man has received wealth from the Lord and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, that is indeed a gift from God. The person who does that will not need to look back with sorrow on his past, 
for God gives him joy. The more words you speak, the less they mean. So why bother to speak at all? A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. It is better to spend your time at funerals than at festivals, for you are going to die, and it is a good thing to think about it while there is still time. Don't be quick-tempered. That is being a fool. Enjoy prosperity whenever you can, and when hard times strike, realize that God gives one as well as the other, so that everyone will realize that nothing is certain in this life. If you fear God, you can expect His blessing. And there is not a single man in all the earth who is always good and never sins. The wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. Because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. But though a man sins a hundred times and still lives, I know very well that those who fear God will be better off. Wisdom is better than strength. Give generously, for your gifts will return to you later. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. It is a wonderful thing to be alive. If a person lives to be very old, let him rejoice in every day of life. But let him also remember that eternity is far longer and that everything down here is futile in comparison. Young man, it is wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do all you want to. Take in everything. But realize that you must account to God for everything you do. So banish grief and pain, but remember that youth, with a whole life before it, can make serious mistakes. And Solomon does refer to himself as the preacher. And so I'm going to read you, these are the last verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. But then because the preacher was wise, he went on teaching the people all he knew, and he collected proverbs and classified them. For the preacher was not only a wise man, but a good teacher. He not only taught what he knew to the people, but taught them in an interesting manner. The wise man's words are like goads that spur to action. They nail down important truths. Students are wise who master what their teachers tell them. But, my son, be warned, there is no end of opinions ready to be expressed. Studying them can go on forever and become very exhausting. Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is the entire duty of man. For God will judge us for everything we do, including every hidden thing, good or bad. Now, that concludes me reading verses from Ecclesiastes. Now, I'm going to go back and read you some of the notes and explanations that it gives about stuff. Solomon discovered that life without God was a long and fruitless search for enjoyment, for meaning, and for fulfillment. Above everything, we should strive to know and love God. The cure for emptiness is to center on God. Fear God throughout your life and fill your life with serving God and others rather than selfish pleasures. Without God, there is no lasting reward or benefit in hard work. When we realize that God will evaluate all we do, we should learn to live wisely, remembering that He is present every day and obeying His guidelines for living. We can only have God's wisdom when we find God. If we try to find meaning in our accomplishments rather than in God, we will never be satisfied and everything we pursue will become wearying and tiresome. True and lasting happiness comes from pleasing God. Thus, happiness cannot be achieved. It can only be received through a right relationship with God because only God knows what is really best for us. If you are chasing after happiness, you will never find it. If you are seeking after God you will find endless joy. 
If your goal is to serve God and others, then you will experience a full life, one that won't leave you sour. Serving God leads to everlasting joy. True enjoyment in life comes only as we follow God's guidelines for living. Those who really know how to enjoy life are the ones who take life each day as a gift from God, thanking Him for it and serving Him in it. God has a plan for all people. Without God, life's problems offer no lasting solutions. The secret to peace with God is to discover, accept, and appreciate God's perfect timing. We must hate sin in our lives. It is impossible to fulfill your God-given purpose unless you fear God and give Him first place in your life. We cannot discover God's purpose for our lives by our own efforts, but only through building a relationship with Him and seeking His guidance. Are you now using your life as God would have you to? Do you see it as a gift from Him? Our possessions are a gift from God. We can be content with what we have when we realize that with God, we have everything we need. God is always good. A reason for being good is to honor God. God knows every wrong we commit, and one day we will have to answer for everything we have done. Waiting for perfect conditions will mean inactivity. This practical insight is especially applicable to our spiritual life. If we wait for the perfect time and place for personal Bible study or Bible reading, we will never begin. If we wait for a perfect church, we will never join. If we wait for the perfect ministry, we will never serve. Take steps now to grow spiritually. Don't wait for conditions that will never exist. Approach your decisions from an eternal perspective. Consider their impact 10 years from now and forever. Live with the attitude that although this life is short, we can live with God forever. What you do when you're young does matter. Enjoy life now, but don't do anything physically, morally, or spiritually that will prevent you from enjoying life when you are old. During your youthful years, don't waste your time on evil or meaningless activities that become bad habits and make you callous. Seek God now. We must put God first over all we do, in all we do, because without Him we have nothing. Knowing that life is futile without God motivates the wise person to find God. There are endless opinions about life and philosophies about how we should live, and they could be read and studied forever. It is not wrong to study them, but spend the majority of your time feeding on the truth of God's Word. And then here are the notes from the very last of Ecclesiastes. Those who think life is unfair should remember that God will review every person's life to determine how he or she has responded to him. The book of Ecclesiastes cannot be interpreted correctly without reading these final verses about God's judging us. No matter what the mysteries and apparent contradictions of life, you must work toward the single purpose of knowing God. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon shows us that we should enjoy life, but this does not exempt us from obeying God's commands. We should search for purpose and meaning in life, but they cannot be found in human endeavors. We should acknowledge the evil, foolishness, and injustice in life, yet maintain a positive attitude and strong faith in God. All people will have to stand before God and be judged for what they did in this life. We will not be able to use life's inconsistencies as an excuse for failing to live properly. To live properly, we need to do a few things. Number one, We need to recognize that human effort apart from God is futile. Number two, put God first now. Number three, 
Receive everything good as a gift from God. 4. Realize that God will judge both evil and good. And 5. Know that God will judge the quality of every person's life. How strange that people spend their lives striving for the very enjoyment that God gives freely as a gift. After hearing some of what King Solomon had to say in the book of Ecclesiastes, I think you will agree that he is encouraging us to get closer to God so that we can access his wisdom that is found in his word, the Bible. Would you like to have the joy that this promise found in Hebrews 8:12 brings? And I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoings, and I will remember their sins no more. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Maybe some of you think that is too good to be true, but if it is in the Bible, I believe it. As a matter of fact, I am betting my eternal life on the promises in the Bible. One thing I heard said many years ago, and you may have heard it too, I would rather live my life believing there is a God and come to the end and find out that there is not than to live my life as if there was no God and then come to the end and find out that He does exist and then be under His judgment. I don't think you lose anything by being a good person. What do you think God might be calling you to do this year? I want to read you something from Joanna Weaver's book, At the Feet of Jesus, about obedience. The story is told of a man who met God in a lovely valley one day. Is there anything I can do for you? The man asked. Yes, there is, God said. I have a wagon with three stones in it, and I need someone to pull it up the hill for me. Are you willing? Yes, I'd love to do something for you. Those stones don't look very heavy, and the wagon's in good shape. I'd be happy to do that. God gave the man specific instructions, sketching a map in the dust at the side of the road. Go through the woods and up the road that winds up the side of the hill. Once you get to the top, just leave the wagon there. Thank you for your willingness to help me today. No problem, the man replied and set off cheerfully. The wagon pulled a bit behind him, but the burden was an easy one. What a joy to be able to help the Lord, he thought, enjoying the beautiful day. Just around the third bend, he walked into a small village. A man there asked what he was doing. Well, God gave me a job this morning. I'm delivering these three stones to the top of the hill. My goodness, I was just praying this morning about how I was going to get this rock to the top of the mountain, the man told him. Could you take it up there for me? It would be such an answer to prayer. The man said, of course. I don't suppose God would mind. Just put it in with the other stones. And then he set off with three stones and a rock rolling behind him. The wagon seemed a bit heavier. The man could feel the jolt of each bump, and the wagon seemed to pull to one side a bit. The man stopped to adjust the load as he sang a hymn of praise, pleased to be helping out a brother as he served God. He soon reached another small village where a good friend lived. You're going to the top of the hill? His oldest friend asked. Yes, I am so excited. Can you imagine God gave me something to do? Hey, said his friend, I need this bag of pebbles taken up. I've been so worried that it might not get taken care of since I haven't any time to do it myself. But you could fit it right in there between those three stones here in the, here in the middle. With that, he placed his burden in the wagon. Shouldn't be a problem, the man said. I think I can handle it. He waved goodbye and began to pull the wagon back onto the road. The wagon was definitely tugging on his arm now, but it wasn't uncomfortable. As he started up the incline, he began to feel the weight of the three stones, the rock, and the pebbles. Certainly God would be proud of how energetic and helpful he had been. One little stop followed another, and the wagon grew fuller and fuller. The sun was hot above the man pulling it, and his shoulders ached with the strain. The songs of praise and thanksgiving that had filled his heart had long since left his lips as resentment began to build inside. Surely this wasn't what he had signed up for that morning. God had given him a burden heavier than he could bear.
The wagon lumbered and swayed over the ruts in the road. Frustrated, the man wanted to give up. This is it, he fumed as the load of obligations collided with the back of his legs. Oh, God, he wailed. I thought you were behind this trip, but I am overcome by the heaviness of it. You'll have to get someone else to do it. As he prayed, God came to his side. Sounds like you're having a hard time, God said as he looked into the wagon. What is this? He held up the bag of pebbles. That belongs to John, my good friend. He didn't have time to bring it up himself. I thought I would help. And this? God tumbled two pieces of shale over the side of the wagon as the man tried to explain. God continued to unload the wagon, removing both light and heavy items. They dropped to the ground, the dust swirling up around them. The man who had hoped to help God grew silent. If you will be content to let others take their own burdens, God told him, I will help you with your task. But I promised I would help. I can't leave these things lying here. Let others shoulder their own belongings, God said gently. I know you were trying to help, but when you are weighted down with all these cares, you cannot do what I have asked of you. The man jumped to his feet, suddenly realizing the freedom God was offering. You mean I only have to take the three stones after all, he asked? That is what I ask you to do, God smiled. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will never ask you to carry more than I will give you the strength to bear. Nothing is harder to bear than a burden we're not called to carry. While God does call us to bear one another's burdens, He has not asked us to step in and do what people are not willing to do themselves. And while there are many needs, God has not asked us to meet every one of them. And a couple of the verses that they had above these devotional readings were, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men. And that was from Colossians 3.23. And this is the love for God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. And that's from 1 John 5.3. And then from Galatians 6.5, For each one should carry his own load. This is the end of Joanna Weaver's words, thinking about burdens. And now I want to read you these verses from Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is from Henry Blackaby's devotional, The Experience. This is from January 10th. There is one form of weariness that no power nap or bubble bath or getaway can touch. That is spiritual exhaustion. Spiritual exhaustion happens gradually and imperceptibly. You might not even be aware that your spiritual strength is draining, but one day you realize that your soul feels heavy from all you have experienced. How does it happen? When you stop spending time with God as you once did, when you allow unconfessed sin or unforgiveness to weigh you down, when you hold on to your anxieties instead of giving them to God, when you wrestle with decisions that God has already made for you, these things can subtly eat away at your spiritual strength until you finally hit the wall. You'll know when you've hit the wall because you'll consider the Christian life a drain and a burden rather than a joy. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus offers you a peaceful rest such as no human therapy could ever give you. He can give you strength not only to get back on your feet, but to soar like an eagle. If you're spiritually exhausted, you're not walking with Christ as He wants you to. He loves you. He wants to carry your burdens. Go to Him and find rest for your soul. What are you going to do with the time that you have left on this earth? I want you to hear these words from John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. 
Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Are you glorifying God by the way you live? Do people see Jesus in you? If not, why don't they? If you are a Christian, act like one. You cannot give anyone your faith, and you certainly cannot save anyone. But maybe you could live in such a way that there might be people who want what you have, and you could point them in the right direction toward the Lord. If you are not a Christian, my hope for today is that you will pray that God will give you faith to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. I hope we will meet in heaven one day, if not before. In closing, I would like to read these words written by Richard Lee and Waylon Hollyfield, only here for a little while. Gonna hold who needs holding, mend what needs mending, walk what needs walking, though it means an extra mile, pray what needs praying, say what needs saying, cause we're only here for a little while. Today I stood singing songs and saying amen, saying goodbye to an old friend who seemed so young. He spent his life working hard to chase a dollar, putting off until tomorrow the things he should have done. Made me start thinking, what's the hurry? Why the running? I don't like what I'm becoming. Gonna change my style, take my time, and I take it all for granted. Cause we're only here for a little while. Let me love like I'll never see tomorrow. Treat each day as though it's borrowed, like it's precious as a child. Whoa, take my hand. Let us reach out to each other, cause we're only here for a little while. Gonna hold who needs holding, mend what needs mending, walk what needs walking, though it means an extra mile. Pray what needs praying, say what needs saying, cause we're only here for a little while. God can change anyone's heart. Never stop praying. From Lamentations 3.25 The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. Thank you for listening. been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 